Turn your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And today I want to bring our short series on the new beginning requires a new you to an end today. But please, please go back and listen to those messages several times so that you don't forget them. Because Jesus was very clear when the word comes forth, the enemy comes to steal it. If we allow the enemy to steal those messages and they never get into your heart and take root, it's as though they were never preached. Don't let that happen to you. This is spiritual warfare. Be aggressive with the word. Go back and listen to those messages over again so that you're reminded. Now today, I want to conclude with this. How to fulfill your calling. How to fulfill your calling. You know, we talked about the need to mature, to grow up. We talk about the right motivation. Um, we talk about consecrating ourselves. And now I want to talk to you about how to fulfill your calling as a believer in the kingdom. How many of you know that, that you have a calling? Yeah, every single one of us have a calling. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 10. Hallelujah. Let's read this together. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. And that's the Apostle Paul speaking. And he's talking about his calling. Go to verse 9. Verse 9. The verse before that. Let's read that together. For I am the least of the apostles. Who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. So. What was Paul's calling? It was to be an apostle. An apostle. He was called to be an apostle. And he says here, of all the apostles, I'm the least. And then we read in verse 10 how he fulfilled his apostleship, his calling. And he tells us it was by the grace of God. But he tells us a lot more than simply it was by the grace of God. So, Let's talk about how you're going to fulfill your calling. And we're going to learn from the Apostle Paul because he fulfills his calling. At the end of his life, he was able to say, I fought the good fight. I ran the race. I finished the course. He came to the end of his life and he could say, you know what? I fulfilled my call. And now I'm looking forward to being with Jesus. I'm looking forward to the crown of righteousness that he will bestow upon me. But I'm going to meet him knowing I finished, I fulfilled my calling. May each and every one of us come to the end of our life satisfied that I did what I was called to do. I fulfilled my assignment in life. Hallelujah. Every single one of us has a calling from God. Now, 
How do you know what that calling is? It begins with knowing what God has called every believer to do. There is a general calling that every single believer is called to do. And your particular calling will be found as you pursue and are faithful to the general calling. All right? I have a particular calling. You have a particular calling. But the particular calling is how God wants to use you in a particular way to fulfill the general calling. So your particular calling is connected to the general calling. And the way you discover your particular calling is first by identifying what the general calling is and starting to fulfill that. So Bishop, what is the general calling that all of us are called to? Hear me. Every single believer is called to love and glorify God. Every single believer is called to build up his body, the church. Every single believer is called to expand his kingdom in the world. So the general call that God has issued in his word by his spirit that belongs to every single believer is the calling to love and glorify God in all you do, the calling to use your natural and spiritual gifts to build up his body, the church, and the calling to expand his kingdom. Say, love and glorify God. Build up his church, his body, and expand his kingdom in the earth. That is a general calling. There's no one here who can tell me, I don't have a calling from God to do those three things and be scriptural. You can't read the Bible and not come away with understanding that the scriptures say to me, as a believer, I have a calling to love and glorify God. I have a calling to use my gifts, natural and spiritual, to build up his body, the church, and I have a calling to advance his kingdom in the earth wherever I am. That's the general calling. Now, when you commit yourself to fulfilling and pursuing the general call of God upon your life to the best of your ability, you will discover your particular calling in the midst of that. You know, the Apostle Paul that we talked about, he had a spectacular supernatural revelation of what God had called him to do. He was on his way to persecute the Christians and Jesus appeared to him, the resurrected Lord, knocked him off his horse. He had a vision. The Lord spoke to him and told him exactly what he was going to do, sent him to a particular man called Ananias. Ananias came, pray for him, lay hands on It was spectacular. It was supernatural. How many of you have ever been knocked off your horse? How many of you have had that kind of supernatural, spectacular revelation of God's call? I didn't, yet I'm 100% sure I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm walking in my particular calling. And the truth is, it's very rare that God reveals his calling, particular calling to us in such a spectacular manner. Uh, if he does, or if he has done that for you, prepare to spend a lot of time in jail, prepared to be stoned, prepared to be chased, 
because he had to do it because he knew what you were going to have to suffer for him. And he had to make sure you never doubt that you're called. Amen. But for the rest of us, in general, there are exceptions. But the, the general rule is that the way you discover your particular calling is by being actively faithfully involved in fulfilling your general calling. As you are a believer seeking faithfully to allow God to use your spiritual and natural gifts to love and glorify him, to build up his body and to advance his kingdom wherever you are, you will in the process discover your particular assignment. And generally the way you discover that is you find your heart being motivated, being drawn towards certain ministries, certain needs in the, that exist. Are you hearing me? Certain problems that exist, you find yourself being drawn to those needs and, and wanting to do something about it. Your heart is leading you. You know, the Bible says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the what? desires of your heart. Many times you think, well, if I delight in myself and the Lord is going to give me a car because I desire a car. No, I believe more accurately it means when you start delighting yourself in God, God begins to put his desires on the inside of you. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he works in us. He works inside of us both the will and to do. In other words, he puts his desires in our hearts and we start wanting and willing to do the things he wants us to do. So when you are busy faithfully pursuing the general call of God, watch where your heart starts to take you. Begin to pay attention to what you find your heart wanting to do, the problems you find your heart wants to get involved in, the needs you find your heart wanting you to meet, and that you find great fulfillment in, in, in solving those types of problems. Many times, if not always, that's the area of your call. That's your particular assignment in the midst of the general assignment. That's the task. That's the area that God wants to work through you to minister to. So we can say your particular calling is the task or the assignment or assignments. It can be more than one. That God wants to work through you to solve. Is it clear? No, you didn't sound... You didn't sound convincing. Your particular calling is the area that God wants to work through you. The assignment God wants to get done through you. God working through you to fulfill this particular assignment in his kingdom. Not only will you begin to notice that your heart is driving you towards that thing that God wants to do through you, you will also often begin to notice that you have certain gifts, certain abilities 
that go with that area that work well. You, you find yourself being effective in the area of your assignment because he gives you the ability and the gifts that fit the assignment. Are you hearing me? You say, Bishop, how do I know the gift is there? You know it because you'll see that in this area, God is working through you effectively. How do I know God is working, me, working through me effectively? The problems are getting solved. Amen? Needs are being met through you. And often you will hear people speak and point out the fact that you are such a blessing when you're functioning in that area. Okay? So, how did I discover my particular calling? I believe I'm called to the office of the apostle, pastor, teacher. Okay? Pastor, teacher, you raise one office. Okay? Now, did I hear a voice? No. I begin to pursue this thing because when I got saved, I started serving the Lord, seeking to love the Lord and glorify him, build up his church, expand his kingdom. And as I did that, my heart moved me towards teaching, administering God's word. I found great fulfillment doing that. And I saw that in this area, I had some gifting. In other words, when I taught, for the most part, people appreciated it, received something from it, and were being blessed through it. Your particular calling might be to establish businesses that will glorify God, be used to build up his people, his church, and advance his kingdom. As you're pursuing the general call, to love and glorify God, to build up his body, to advance his kingdom, you might discover that your heart drives you to the area of business. And you discover you have gifts in that area. And that God wants to use you in this particular area to fulfill the general calling. You may discover that as you seek to, again, what's the general calling? Love and glorify God, build up his, his church, advance his kingdom. As you are faithful and diligent in doing that, you might find your heart be moved towards the children's ministry. You may find yourself being moved to really want to minister to children. You follow your heart there. And when you follow your heart there, you may discover that you find great fulfillment. Not, I'm not saying it's easy now, but in spite of it being difficult, you find great fulfillment in ministering to children and you realize you have some gifts that help you work with children. You know, I love children. But for me, that would be the hardest job. <laughs> I salute those, oh my goodness. 
Amen. I absolutely salute. I stand at attention. Seriously, there are folks who week after week, week after week, week after week, I mean week after week, year after year. Uh, they minister to those children. Their heart dry keeps. And you know, they do that even though the parents don't appreciate them. They keep doing it. Even though they feel disrespected, they just keep doing it. There's just something in their heart that drives them towards children. And, and they find fulfillment in ministering to those kids. They found their calling. And they're being faithful there. And by being faithful in that ministry, they're what? Loving God and bringing him glory in that area through that ministry. They're building up his body and they're advancing his kingdom. Because as those children get saved and get discipled, they have a whole life ahead of them. You hear me? And you can take that same principle and apply it to each of us. You have a particular calling. The way you can discover your particular calling is to pursue with all of your heart, being faithful and active in your general calling. Then watch where your heart takes you and then look at where you have gifts that make you effective. And then when you discover your, 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 your particular calling, you need to fulfill that calling. Don't come to the end of your life and not be able to say, I finished my course. You hear me? Say to your neighbor, don't come to the end of your life and not be able to say, I finished my calling. So what does this mean practically? It means, listen, until you quote-unquote can identify your particular calling, your assignment is to fulfill your general calling. And do it with all of your heart and all of your might. In all you do, seek to glorify God, build up his church, expand his kingdom. In Jesus' name. Now, if we're looking for a good example of how to do this, well, we have an almost perfect example in the Apostle Paul. So let's look at our passage and let's learn a few things about what it took for Paul to be able to say at the end of his life, I finished my, my, my course, I fulfilled my task, I, I, I fulfilled my calling. Notice, first of all, that the Apostle Paul said in verse 9, go to verse 9, yes, for I am what? The least of the apostles and I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I want you to notice the importance of humility when it comes to your calling. My goodness. Too often, when we discover our calling, we adopt an attitude of superiority, or I know it all. And we can start to look down our noses at people who we think maybe don't have the kind of calling I got. And we can become puffed up and proud. Hear me, the scriptures are true. God will resist the proud, but he will do what? Give grace to the humble. How many of you know you definitely need the grace of God to fulfill your calling? And so if you start to operate in pride and start to act and talk like you are better than any other member of the body, I'm an apostle. You, you're, you're just... You're, 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 you're working with children. 
So somehow, I'm big, you're small. You will never fulfill your calling with a proud and puffed up attitude. You, you see, to fulfill your calling, you're going to need the grace of God. And for the grace of God to operate in your life, you got to put on humility. You got to make a decision. You're going to walk humbly with your God and you're going to walk humbly with one another. Never allow yourself to think that you're better than anybody because of the calling of God upon your life. Always remind yourself you have nothing that you have not received. And what you received was purely as a result of the sovereign grace of God. You did not do anything. You did not merit it. You did not deserve it. You did not earn it. And by the way, just because, quote unquote, you're an apostle doesn't mean you're any more important to God than someone who doesn't go by that office. Because God said in the body, every single part is necessary. And that's why I keep saying to you all, you can't stay home and you can't just sit down and just watch one or two people. No. You have a calling to fulfill. You can't say because I'm not bishop, I'm not pastor, I'm not elder, I'm not deacon, I'm not reverend, so therefore I got nothing to do, I can just do nothing? What are you going to do? Let your calling go to waste? Often it's not others who look down upon your calling, it is you who don't understand the magnitude of the call of God upon your life and so you treat it as though it doesn't exist. Or you don't have to take it seriously. Here it's very clear, people. It's going to take the humility of Christ for you to fulfill your calling to his fullest. No one who doesn't humble himself will come to the end of his life and be able to say, in truth, I finish by course. Paul, knowing this to be the case, says to us in Philippians chapter 2, he says, let the mind, this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he was God, did not think equality was God, but God was something he had to hold on to, but he humbled himself and became a servant. And even though he was Lord and he knew it, he watched his disciples' feet. And, and, and on the last night, that was a lesson he wanted them to never forget. If I am your Lord and I'm willing to wash your feet, then you need to understand to fulfill this call. I'm about to entrust into your hands the call to lead the church, to establish my kingdom. I'm calling all of you to the office of the apostle. If you're going to fulfill this high calling, you've got to begin by understanding you have to humble yourself, walk in humility, and be willing to wash the feet of one another. That's the attitude it's going to take no matter what your calling is. So you start with humbling yourself. And be very careful with knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing. But the scripture says knowledge can puff up. The more you read, the more you listen, the more you know, or the more you think you know. If you're not careful, you can become puffed up. And now nobody can talk to you. You can't, you don't, you can't take any instructions from anybody. You have the last word. You always know what's best. Be careful. Knowledge is good. 
But knowledge must be couched with humility or it will puff you up. And that's why scripture warns when you're putting people in positions of authority, he says, make sure they're not a novice. Because a novice may let that go to his or her head. Are you still here? Jeez, I got so much to do. So many miles to go. So we get it? Humility. Okay, let's go. Let's read on. Go to verse 10. But by the what? Grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, by the grace of God, which was with me. Grace one. Grace two. Grace three. Grace, there's a fourth one. Three times in that short verse, the Apostle Paul talks about grace. <laughs> what is this grace that he talks about? This grace is the unmerited favor and power that God makes available to us to fulfill our calling. Yeah, it's made available to save us. We call that saving grace. All of us who are saved are saved because God showed us unmerited favor and manifested undeserved power in order to deliver our spirits from sin. Amen. Thank God for grace, right? By grace are you saved through faith. It's, a, it's saving grace because it saves the spirit. It delivers the spirit from spiritual death and damnation. But grace works in other areas too. There is the area of sanctification. Now that you've been saved by grace apart from works, you need to what? Live a sanctified life. You need to live a holy life. How many of you know it's going to take grace, unmerited favor, undeserved power, that God will make available to you for you to live a holy life. You can never live the life God has called you to do as a holy person in this world with the kind of body you have and the kind of mind you have. You can never live a sanctified, set-apart life simply by your willpower. It's going to take the grace of God. Amen? So there is a saving grace that delivers my spirit and then there is what we call the sanctifying grace that delivers my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions from this, this, this sinful world and sinful attitudes that we have developed over the years. It's it takes grace. To be delivered and to live a holy life, God's grace, God has to show you unmerited favor and give you undeserved power. To allow your mind, your emotions to be delivered from, from the influence and the impact of sin. And then there is what we call serving grace. Amen? And, and what, what, what the serving grace? It's still the same grace, but it's working in a different area. It's grace. Grace when it works to save you is saving grace. Grace when it works to sanctify your mind, your will, and your emotions. We call it sanctifying grace. And grace when it works to empower you. To actually serve God and serve people and fulfill your high calling. We call that serving grace. I need the grace of God to serve God appropriately to fulfill my assignment. In the exact way to the same degree that I need the grace of God to be saved. 
You may hear this sermon and say, okay, I'm going to now go and fulfill my calling. You make a big mistake if you think that you can fulfill your calling and walk in it to the degree that God has called you to without the grace of God. You will need the grace of God and you will need to learn how to depend upon the grace of God to fulfill your calling every single day in the same way that you depend upon the grace to save your spirit and upon the grace of God to sanctify your soul, you're going to need to depend upon the grace of God to serve God acceptably and to fulfill your calling. Without the grace of God, Paul said, I never, never would have been able to fulfill my calling as an apostle. I'll never be able to fulfill my calling without the grace of God. And you, no matter where you are called to serve in the kingdom, whether it's in the children's ministry, whether it's in the choir, whether it's in, in, the, uh, uh, in business, whether it's as a teacher, whatever it is that you're called to serve, you need to understand you will never be able to do it without God's grace, God showing you unmerited favor and God manifesting and giving you undeserved power to function in that area and do what he wants you to do there. So learn to appreciate, acknowledge, affirm, and depend completely upon the grace of God as though everything depended upon the grace of God. Are you hear me? So this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, yes. He says, listen, I'm the least of all the apostles. The least. And the reason Paul felt he was the least in particular was because he persecuted the church. Of all that Paul did, what made him feel the least qualified to be an apostle was the fact that he attacked the church. Paul knew when he was attacking the church, he was literally attacking Christ himself. And he remembered that when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? I've told you, I'm going to keep reminding you because there's just too many people in this country, in the world now, who have made it their number one, whose attitude now is attack the church. The church is not this. The church is not that. The church is not this. And many of those who are doing that are not unbelievers. They're people who are part of the church. And so when you're attacking the church, you forget that you are the church. So really, every time I point to you and say the church, I should be very conscious I'm pointing myself. So, I mean, if I'm going to, it's not that the church is perfect, and we do need to point out things that need to be corrected. But just remember, when I'm pointing that out, I should also always be humble enough to say, well, there are three fingers pointing back because I'm part of the church. What am I doing about the problem that I'm talking about? So Paul took the fact that he persecuted the church seriously. And for that reason, he considered himself the least of the apostles, totally unqualified. And yet he says, even though that's the case, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am an apostle. That's not pride. That's just recognizing, even though I don't deserve it, nevertheless, it's so. I am, by God's grace, unmerited favor and power, an apostle. I understand the role and responsibility I have, even though I don't deserve it. 
You know what? That should be your attitude. The grace of God should create in you that kind of response and humility. It's twofold. One, the grace of God should cause you to recognize you don't deserve this at all. But two, the grace of God should also cause you to recognize that even though you don't deserve it by grace, that's what you are. I'm not perfect, but by grace, I am an apostle and I am the pastor of this church. Don't deserve it. Don't merit it. You can point out a hundred reasons maybe why I shouldn't be where I am. But, say but, by the unmerited, undeserved grace of God, his sovereign grace, he has made me what I am. I'm a member of his body by grace and I have a role and response and that's exactly should be your attitude. No matter what your position is, forget about the apostle title. You don't need a title, but you ought to be able to say, you know what? When I look at me and all of the things that disqualify me, my attitudes, and my be, I got no business being a member of the body of Christ. I got no business being in the body of Christ. I got no business having any assignment, any call upon my life. I have no business being called by God to do anything. But... You like it, you don't like it. You like me or you don't like me. I do know that by the unmerited, undeserved favor of God, the sovereign grace of God in his wisdom because of his great love, he chose this disqualified person, perhaps the least qualified, and made her a member of his body and caused her to minister to children. You may not like me, but I'm called to minister to children. This is who I am. This is what I am. God made that. You didn't make me that. God made it. And I hope you appreciate it, but I am so I agree with you. I don't deserve it. I agree with you. I don't merit it. I agree I'm not better than you. But I cannot be true to the grace of God if I deny the fact that I am this person with this assignment and this call upon my life. So Grace will not puff you up, but grace will not put you down either. By the grace of God, we need to appreciate what God has made us. And the more we appreciate it, especially since we know we don't deserve it, the more grateful we can become, the more faithful we will become, and the more humble we'll be. So one of the things the grace of God would do is that it'll humble you and fill you with gratitude and with confidence. Confidence because you know, you know, God is the one who placed me here. God's the one who called me. And if he called me, he'll make me able. So there's a quiet confidence that comes when you can embrace what the grace of God has already done regarding your calling. Are you listening to me? This is a powerful message. <laughs> Raise your hands and thank God for the Holy Ghost. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in. Uh-oh, you mean God can give grace to me and it be for nothing? You mean God can call me 
and assign me to a task, to a role in his kingdom as an apostle, and at the end of the day, it's for nothing? You mean God can call me, assign me to the role of ministering to children, and at the end of the day, it be for nothing? You mean God can call me and assign me and give me a ministry to adults or the young adults or to married couples or to uh, evangelism in a special way, whatever it is, to, to, to a minister of helps in using my gifts as an administrator. God can call me to that and it be for nothing. Give me the grace to fulfill it and it be for nothing. Give me unmerited, undeserved favor and power to walk in that ministry, fulfill that call. And yeah. Paul said it's possible. It wasn't so in his case, but it's possible. Now, that's the last thing you should want to happen with your call. That is the last thing I should want to happen, that God would call me, give me grace for a particular function and role in his body and I allow it at the end of the day to be for nothing. Say, God forbid. Say, God forbid. You know, at home, uh, and this reflects uh, my imperfections as a husband. <laughs> Thank God, in spite of that. By grace, I am the husband of Pastor Chris Johnson. Hallelujah! <laughs> uh, she, she, was, she was doing a, a marriage single seminar last night for, for, for Atlanta. And she kept talk, exposing and making me look bad. I had to remind myself, but bother! Because you see, everybody thinks I'm a perfect husband. And she's there... To, Making me look like I'm not perfect. <laughs> Talking about marriage was intended to kill you. Me kill you? <laughs> me? You mean marry me? She said, she concluded, 40, 40 years ago, be 40 years, 40 years of dying has been hard. I? <laughs> me? For 40 years you've been dying? Jeez. <laughs> oh my goodness I had to remind myself that I am what I am by the grace of God amen in Jesus name okay so at home in our bathroom our, our bathroom you have, uh, you have is, it vanity? Is, that, is that what it's called vanity I know it, they, the light bulbs that are over the mirror we got two, two mirrors and we got three Light bulbs, I guess, whatever. Three here and three there. So three for her, three for me. And on my side, two of the bulbs are working. One is not. On her side, two of the bulbs are working. One isn't. Now, it's been a while since it's been that time. That's what I said. <laughs> she hasn't said anything. She probably will die. <laughs> oh, shut up, I'm sick what can our husband God? What can our man this? He see the bomb, he can't change them. <laughs> Say, Bishop, God's grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> Maybe the Holy Spirit was reminding me that I need to do my job. <laughs> 
and he brought this to my attention for an illustration. But you know what? All three of those bulbs are receiving the same amount and have the same access to electricity. Because at one point the bulb isn't shining, it was shining. So all three have access to the same amount and degree of electricity. The, the supply is there. Two of those bulbs are using the electricity available to it and they're fulfilling their call to give light on my side, two on her side. But then there are two of those bulbs that even though the supply of electricity is there more than adequate for it to fulfill its call, they are not shining. They're producing no light. They're there. Electricity has been given to them for nothing. Why? Something is broken in those bulbs. Those bulbs are not responding properly. They're not utilizing the electricity that's available. If you and I don't want the grace of God, unmerited favor, unmerited and undeserved power that is supplied in Christ Jesus to each of us as members of his body to fulfill the calling, then we cannot be like those bulbs. We've got to make a decision. We're going to let the grace of God produce the results that they are intended to produce. We're not going to simply be there. We are going to open up, receive, and allow God's grace to work through us to fulfill the call. You say, Bishop, okay. How do I do that? Well, listen to what Paul said. Paul said the grace towards me was not in vain. But why wasn't it in vain? I labored, say labored, more abundantly than they all. He's talking about the apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. This is what Paul is saying. God's grace, ability, unmerited, undeserved favor and power that was given to me to fulfill the office of the apostle. My calling was not in vain, was not for nothing, because I did something with that grace. What did I do? I labored. Say that. I labored. That word in Greek literally means I worked to the point of exhaustion. So if you don't want to work, if you don't want to put in some real effort into your call, you run the risk of coming to the end of your life and be one of those who will have, of whom it will have to be said, she, he received the grace of God to fulfill her calling for nothing. Because like the light bulb that is not doing anything with the electricity, you just thought, well, once the electricity is there, I'll fulfill my calling. I can sit, I can sleep, be unfaithful, never want to get tired, don't want to do anything that's inconveniencing. The only things I do must be easy, must fit into my schedule, no sacrifice. Don't tell me I need to do something that will make me tired. Hear me. If that's your attitude towards your calling, 
the grace of God given to you to fulfill your calling will be for nothing. Because with the calling and with the grace comes the necessity for you to make a decision you're going to work. You know the saving grace is by grace through faith apart from works. You don't have to do anything to get saved. But the grace to fulfill your calling is not apart from works. It's by grace through faith and labor. Why? Because to fulfill your calling, you're going to have to use your body. Hmm? And you can't fulfill your calling if your body is sleeping all day. You can't fulfill your calling if your body doesn't want to show up to be with the people that you're supposed to be serving. If you have a call to the children's ministry and you're at home, chilling, how will you fulfill your, to minister to the children, you got to bring your body there. To minister in the praise and worship choir, you got to bring your body there. To be an usher, you got to bring your body there. To do evangelism, you can't leave your body home. You can't simply confess, I believe I'm an evangelist. I believe I am a, 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 a children's church worker. I believe I am an apostle pastor. No, no. That confession of faith will save your spirit, but it will not fulfill your task. When it comes to your task, you've got to confess, Jesus is my strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The grace of God is with me. You must believe that and confess that, but then you've got to bring your body and present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, and put your body, get your body and your mind involved. That's the only way the grace of God to fulfill your calling becomes effectual. Oh, I, I'm preaching better than they're listening. Did you just hear? The grace of God is available to you and me to fulfill our calling like the electricity is available to the light bulb. But the only way for that grace to become effectual in fulfilling your calling is for you to make a decision you're going to present your body. You're going to show up. You're ready to work. And as you begin to work on the calling, work on the assignment, work on doing the things that are required for that calling to be fulfilled, don't expect the grace of God to make it happen. Because it is as you are working with the grace of God, depending on the grace of God, that the grace of God will flow through you in Jesus' name. I'm not done, but I have to stop. It's already 10, 15. So do you hear what I'm saying? You have a call. The calling first is a general calling that you must embrace. As you embrace that general calling, you will discover in the process a particular calling. And whether it's the general calling or it's the particular calling, there's grace sufficient for that but that grace will not become effectual until, like the Apostle Paul, you make the decision that you're going to bring your body and your mind and you are going to make it your aim to fulfill your call. And as you prepare and position yourself and start to do the work, you can count on the grace of God to make you able to do it. You can count on Christ working through you to bring it to pass. In Romans chapter 15, Paul said, I'm not going to talk about anything except what Christ himself has done through me. 
So Paul acknowledges his responsibility. I labored. But then he says, oh, even though I labored, the result, the strength, the power that made me effective was the grace of God that was with me. Hear me, when you decide that you have a call from God and you make it your aim, you can fulfill that call. And you bring your body and you bring your mind and you commit your time and your talent and your resources to doing that work. Then rely on the grace of God that is with you to give you the strength and ability to bring it to pass. And if you would do that, you would come to the end of your days and say, you know what, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by the grace of God, the grace of God was not in vain that was given to me. By the grace of God, because I believed in that grace and therefore labored with my body and my mind, I can say at the end of my day, I finished my course in Jesus' name. Raise your hand and say, thank you, Lord. We love and appreciate and are grateful to you in Jesus' name. Question, you who are watching and you who are here, do you understand do you embrace your calling? Are you prepared now to fulfill that calling? In Romans 15, 20, Paul said, I make it my aim. I make it my aim. Each of us must make it our aim. Until you make it your aim to fulfill your calling, it will not be fulfilled. It doesn't get fulfilled by accident. It gets fulfilled on purpose. Make it your aim to fulfill your high calling and then trust, rely on the grace of God as though it depended completely upon God but then work and labor as though it depended completely upon you. When you do that, grace, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility come together and God's work gets done. In Jesus' name. So Father, I accept my high calling I make it my goal to fulfill that calling in Jesus' name. Amen.